On today's show, why is Matvey Mishkov slipping in the 2023 NHL Draft? And special guest Patrick Bexell discusses Swedish prospects at the World Junior Championship. All coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, I break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh. I'm a scout and prospect analyst across multiple platforms, including this one. And on today's show, I wanted to start off this episode with some Matt Bay Michkov talk uh, and discuss how, we've, how he's been slipping at the 2023 NHL draft, what's going on behind that. Does he remain in the top five? Does he slip out of the top 10? I'll break that down for you in our first segment. And then Patrick Bexell from Habs Eyes on the Prize makes a second appearance on the podcast to discuss the Swedish national team's prospects at the World Junior Championship. We covered a wide array of prospects, so make sure to tune in for Patrick's viewings and extensive knowledge of Sweden's prospects. Now, before we get into any of that, I just want to remind you lovely folks to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. It shows us that you like what you're watching. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So to get right into it, Matvey Michkov recently was loaned out to HK Sochi in the KHL. He wasn't getting opportunities with CSKA. Um, so he was loaned out to Sochi. He played 17 minutes and 24 seconds in his first game uh, for them on December 23rd. That was a 3 nothing loss in which he went minus 2. He more than tripled his ice time though uh, in the KHL with that one game he had played a total of about seven and a half minutes so in one game he tripled that amount um, now he still hasn't earned a point in the KHL this year he, uh, he he's marooned pointless in in the four games that he's played so far but uh, in the VHL though he's got eight goals and six assists for 14 points in 10 games the VHL is a second division of pro hockey in uh, Russia um, so he's almost at a point at a goal per game pace he's above a point per game pace right now um, in a men's league in Russia. Now, most games I've watched of his were in the VHL um, for the obvious reason that Michkov barely played up to, up until December 23rd um, when he did appear in the KHL. You know, I've got his first game for Sochi lined up right now. I'm just waiting for that to come in so I can scout that game. So I'll get back to you on his play in the KHL with, you know, a, a good solid opportunity to play top six minutes. Um, now, Mishkov was widely regarded as the second overall pick behind Connor Bedard as far back as 2019. Um, when I started scouting, he and uh, Connor Bedard were the two names that were sort of hyped up for the 2023 NHL draft um, and were the main reason why this draft was sort of considered to be a, an exceptional draft uh, because we had what was supposedly two generational players in the top two um, of this round of selections. But now I've seen him outside the top five on a couple of the mainstream rankings. I've seen him in, outside the top 10 on a, on, a, on a couple of rankings of scouts that I trust and I know watch tons of hockey. So I wanted to know sort of what happened. I wanted to break down what happened and why he slipped outside of the top two conversation. So I'll start with the mainstream reasons, the reasons why I think that the mainstream guys are, are sort of ranking him lower. First and foremost, I think it's the lack of strength at his size. So Connor Bedard and he are about the same height and weight. Uh, but Bedard's much harder to move off the puck than Mishkov. So I think that's one thing that's playing in uh, in favor of moving him down is that size is a big fa factor for NHL teams. 
Um, it's definitely a factor when it comes to top five picks. So that that's that's a likely reason that Mishkov is moving down these ranks uh, on, on the mainstream side. The second one for me is exposure. Uh, Bedar's gotten so much international exposure already. He's played, he's played and is playing in the World Juniors. He's played in other international tournaments, and it's easier to compare him to his peers um, of his age group, whereas Mishkov... He's been playing against men all season. Um, we know what's going on with Russia. They're, they're banned from uh, international hockey competitions with the IIHF, so they're not competing in the World Juniors. They're not competing in the under-18s or anything like that. So Mishkal's not getting as much exposure. Um, and on top of that, he's been playing against men all year, so it's difficult to sort of evaluate where he is in his current projection uh, compared to, to players his age. Uh, because he's only facing or, or almost exclusively facing adults right now. And then the third one, and I think is the most important one, is the infamous Russian factor. Um, Matvey Mishkov right now, he's tied up long-term with CSKA. He's tied up until the summer of 2026, I believe. Most teams don't want to wait that long. And the situation in Russia is, is kind of complicating things a lot for the prospects in the system. So the thing is, most mainstream rankings try to predict the NHL draft. They're not sort of ranking their favorites and not ranking them in terms of their of their skill and how they compare to each other. But they're more trying to emulate what an NHL team would decide on draft day. And Matvey Mishkov could very well be passed over by NHL teams um, just for that. Uh, never mind the other factors like the lack of strength. Um, the lack of size, the lack of exposure, all that can come into play. But it's mainly the fact that these mainstream uh, networks try to emulate the draft as much as possible. And when you take those three factors into consideration, that's something that is heavily weighing in other prospects' favor. But now for the, 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 the information that I'm more sort of looking for, and that's the scouting reasons, the reasons that I have identified for uh, various scouts across the networks uh, who do this for a living, uh, or, or almost exclusively for a living. Uh, and the reason that they have, for example, for, for ranking him outside the top 10 or outside the top five, um, I've, I've established three main reasons. So the first one for me is habits, I believe. Um, I think that's the biggest one. There's a lot of impatience in Matvey Mishkov's game. He takes shots from low danger areas. He carries the puck for long stretches. He tries to create off a stick instead of trusting his teammates and delegating to them. Um, he rushes a lot of his passes on occasions in the offensive zone. Um, so he doesn't wait for the lane to open up. He just tries to, to pass through um, the check. Uh, and especially, he tends to blow the zone a lot when his team gets position, possession in their own third. So um, he's one of the first players to be out of the zone when his team has the puck. Uh, so that's one thing that's playing against his favor. Um, it's, the, it's the habits factor. But um, the second reason would be pace of play for me. Um, this kind of ties into the first point, but Matvey Mishkov doesn't seem too comfortable playing the puck quickly. Um, his scanning habits aren't all there, and he tends he tends to end up overhandling pucks because he's not even looking for passing lanes. And then the third one for me would be play driving. Matvey Mishkov, he loves to be the finishing touch on plays. He certainly has a skill for that. More on that later. But his combination of impatient habits and his lack of pace of play make, make it so that he isn't a player you can just trust to advance play. Um, he's the best at taking loose pucks in the offensive zone and turning them into goals quickly, but he can't always be trusted to make the right plays at the right time. So he's a guy who's going to get his teammates a lot of points, but he's not a guy that is necessarily going to make his teammates look better on the ice. So why do I have him in his top three despite all that? So first and foremost, he's got a generational level of puck skills. No one can manage tight quarters with the puck like Mishkov does. He's got elite hands, elite, elite edge work. He's got a great sense for timing when he's performing deeks. And on top of that, he's a proven finisher who can score in many different ways and has done it at many different levels. 
he also has sneaky good playmaking. I've seen him make insane passes in the offensive zone when he does lift his head up and try to look for those lanes. Um, another thing that makes him a top three prospect in my mind is his, his elite off-puck movement. So I don't know if you remember a guy named Colt Caulfield um, in his draft year in 2019, but he was the guy who would blow the zone. He would stick, stick handle himself into trouble and wasn't always making the best decisions in order to advance play. He was ex- exceptionally good as a finisher. Um, but that's the thing. He always found a way to find the back of the net because of how good he was at getting open in the offensive zone. And on top of that, how how strong his, his shot was, how reliable it was. So, yeah, that's Michkov for me, but with better hands and better playmaking. But Caulfield, what he had going for him that Michkov doesn't have is that high pace of play. Caulfield was very comfortable de- delegating early, moving off the puck, finding pockets of space. Michkov's a lot more reliant on his tools than Caulfield is. Um, but I think that the off-puck movement is very similar. And then finally, I think that most of Matvey Mishkov's issues stem from impatience, maybe even frustration, but not at all. Of, it doesn't come from a lack of awareness in any way. Um, we'll see with time, but I have a feeling that Matvey Mishkov knows that his habits won't work at the NHL level. I think he knows that he won't be able to do these things in the NHL. And on top of that, I think he's smart enough to adapt and thrive at any level because he has so far. MHL, VHL, international tournaments, you name it, he's always been able to score. I think he's been at a goal per game pace at every single level he's played at. So he's always adapted and found ways to fill the net. So I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But that's it for my discussion on Matt Michkov. Now we're going to go straight into Patrick Bexell's uh, discussion about the Swedish prospects at the World Juniors right after these messages. So let me paint a picture for you. You're hanging out with your friends, you're watching the World Junior Championship, having a blast, you're putting back a couple of drinks, uh, you know, and as the evening goes on, you know, a few drinks become too many, and then you think of calling for a ride. But, you know, you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? You know, and even so, what's the worst that could happen? You know, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone... Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. It's to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. If It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, so we're back for our second episode with Patrick Bexell of Haps Eyes on the Prize. He is the host of the Haps and Minded podcast, The Dispatch, and he's the European correspondent for all uh, European prospects of the Montreal Canadiens. But for today, we're actually going to be discussing Sweden at the World Juniors and their roster. Um, so I, I just wanted to sort of have you talk me through um, that first line for Sweden. They're playing Isak Rosin with uh, Victor Kronbori and uh, Fabian Lussel. So what do you think about that line? I actually thought Leo Carlson would be on that line. I'll be, I'll be honest with that. Um, yeah. I see Hanbori, who is someone who is, I've followed for about four or five years. Uh, I was made aware of him when so, so when Elias Pedersen was playing in the finals for, for Vekhoa. Uh, Vekhoa's coach and the current national team coach, Sam Hallam, uh, came up to me and he said, you know, keep an eye on this kid. He's over in the juniors, but you'll know about him in two years' time. And he, and he was right, maybe three years' time. But but he's a really, really smart player. Uh, he thinks... It, it, hockey for him is a chess game. 
that that that's that's what I like with him. He thinks one or two moves ahead already. Um, I'm, I am surprised though because you want that first line to really throw a punch, and and uh, it might just been that they were trying um, uh, him over there and, and and going with Carlson when when the when the World Juniors just starts. Uh, there are different things with this. I see Carlson was playing wing, which is something he has been doing before, and I can I can see that as well. Cranberry uh, is is I, he will probably be the captain unless he has already been named. We have guests here already, so I don't know mm-hmm. uh, what happened in the last couple of hours. Um, he 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 led Beck in the playoffs last year. He's leading them on the ice this year. Mm-hmm. He, he's a he's a He's a player. I don't foresee him becoming one of the, you know, top line centers down the line in the NHL. I see him becoming a midline center in, in, in the NHL. If that's mm-hmm. the second or third line, doesn't matter. You know, if you draft someone like that in the third round, I think he went in the third round. Uh, it's 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 a it's a smart pick. It's it's a value pick. And if you get yep. games NHL games out of him, it's a smart move. I, I, Carson though, he will go top five. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but but on the other hand, he doesn't have the maturity. He doesn't have uh, the experience and and all that. So, so, I can see why heavily went in and played Cranberry there. I'm not sure it's going to stick though. <laughs> I'll be honest with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly doubt it as well. But uh, you know, especially for me. If you play Carlson with Lucell, I think there's a great fit there. I think that Fabian Lucell is the type of player who will take pucks across all three zones, is going to push the offensive zone, create a lot of pace, create a lot of, of stretching along the ice. And Carlson really benefits from that, um, you know, that, that open space. He's able to protect pucks really well. So I think the fit would be really good. So I'd be very, very surprised to see Leo Carlson stay on that second line uh, left wing uh, for uh, Sweden. Now, I wanted to talk also about Kale Odelius. I don't know if you've caught any of his games recently. Um, I just wanted some updates on him because he was highly touted and he dropped a lot in the draft. Um, so I just wanted to know, you know, what the update is on his side. Um, I mean, like, let's let's be honest here. You Gordon uh, fell down on the because obviously we have relegation in Europe. They yeah. fell out of the of, of, of SHL last year, and mm-hmm. uh, I've done a few podcasts with North American players, and they they always say it's so funny in in SHL and in the European leagues because. At the trade deadline, the, the worst teams are the buyers, mm-hmm. and the, the the top teams are, you know, they, they're the sellers more often than not. Yeah. They, they'll look for a player to get in to, to maybe take them over the top, but they're not looking for for any, you know, a, a few additions. Um, but but it's it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the whole line you have it with. Uh, I'm going. Again, Östlund and Lekemäki and Odelius, mm-hmm. and to a certain degree Engström, mm-hmm. uh, was part of Jurgen last year. Yeah, and and uh, so so they brought in a lot of top talent in order to get back into the SHL. Mm-hmm. The the youngsters, which they thought would take another step forward, have struggled yeah. playing against men, and and struggled. To be the team that is supposed to 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 lead the game, not chase the game, but to lead yeah. the game, and and uh, I think that is the the main thing where where the problem has 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 happened for for that Eurogroup line or, or or the defensive partner. 
I'm also a little bit surprised. I can understand it, but I'm a little bit surprised you don't put Erland along with Engstrom. Ergen along with Engstrom. Yeah. Engstrom can play his offside mm-hmm. and, and, and do it very, very well. That's what he's mm-hmm. done in a regular. So, mm-hmm. so to have that, you know, uh, five-man unit that already knows each other very well, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that will change. I do understand you want an offensive-minded defensor and you want a, a defensive-minded defenseman. So, so I see the, the, the theory behind it. Yeah, but I don't have to like it. I don't have to. <laughs> I can. I, I mean, like I'm here to think something. So obviously, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm not always the smartest guy in the room, especially not when you're in it as well, Hadi. But <laughs> you're too kind, Patrick. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, I I'm surprised. Uh, I know he struggled a lot, and I know he's. Uh, I don't know if he's nurtured a, a injury or or, or or to that regard. Elland is, is 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 a really good player. I think the struggles actually on that unit, if we want to call it that, the mm-hmm. Ugonen unit, is down to Lekkermäki mm-hmm. uh, because he's been struggling. And and I know we yep. both we 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 shared this conversation before the draft, and we were saying Lekkermäki is a one trick pony in a little bit, and mm-hmm. what happens when he doesn't get that trick to work? Yeah, and and I think we've seen that a little bit this year, and and it's it. it it hampers him. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge fan of Jurgården, and, and obviously I'm from the second city in in Sweden, so mm-hmm. obviously I'm not a huge fan of any Stockholm team. <laughs> but of course, you, you want a young player to succeed, and and hopefully mm-hmm. Lekkermäki can come out of this World Juniors with a bit more confidence and uh, showcasing his great shot because that's that's his his trick. Hundred um, percent. Now I also wanted to discuss uh, Axel Sandin Palika. Um, but before we get into that, just a couple words from our sponsors. All right, so to finish off, I wanted to talk with Patrick about a couple more Swedish prospects on this World Juniors team. I wanted to start with a 2023 NHL draft eligible in Axel Sandin. Uh, now, I just wanted your thoughts on what you've seen this season and what has sort of pushed him into the conversation for not just the first round, but the top 20 in this upcoming draft. I think that, you know, when you look at, at, at Pelika and, and Sandin Pelika, he's doubling. Um, he's he's gotten a lot of confidence from his coach, and 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 Robert Olson is a coach I value a lot. So, um, when 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 he gives a youngster a lot of time, I just completely trust him. I I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously his offense is the thing that you you keep looking at from from different things, and and that's that's fine. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we're, what I can really see when it comes to to uh, Pelika is the fact that he's um, is improving in all areas of the game, every game. Mm-hmm. That there is, he he will never ever uh, rest on his laurels or or, or 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 just take things for granted. He will work mm-hmm. on it. And I think that, you know, you speak about character. A lot of, of, of coaches speak about character. Or GMs speak about character. Mm-hmm. Pelika has it in spades. So so I think that is what it comes down to. Um, obviously, his, his, uh, his offensive numbers are good. That's where you see him shine. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, that's where you want a young player, a young defender to shine as well. 
in in uh, in SHL because uh, you can learn defense, and I think Pelika will. Uh, he's still he's going to be about one eighty. What is that? Six feet, five five eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time of the draft, I have no problem seeing him going top twenty, especially if he continues, especially with good world juniors. The question is, can can he find that Swedish other defender that helped him to progress into that conversation? Because obviously, all eyes will be on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, with Montreal as as a Montreal guy, you know that second round uh, or, or that second first round pick that that you might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that he will have because of Florida, but you don't know where it will end up. Uh, yeah, you, you could use that on Pelika, and uh, I wouldn't be against it at all. Yeah, of course. You know, I I pushed hard at our recent scouting meeting with Dauber Prospects to put Axel Sandin Pelika as our um, our our top defenseman in this class. Now, you know, I, I've had a lot of time to look over the, the different defensemen in this class. Lucas Dragasevich is up there. Um, there's players like Luca Cagnoni, Caden uh, Price, who've grown on me. Um, but for me, what Axel Sandin Pelika brings from the back end is is really priceless. He's got, the, in my opinion, the best mobility in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one skates like him really in this class. You add on top of that the 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 effort level that he puts in in all three zones. You rarely see that from a young defenseman in Sweden. Um, I don't think anyone works harder than him in the defensive zone in this draft, except for maybe Dmitry Simashev. Um, and then you add on top of that the elite breakout game. I mean, I've rarely seen him miss a breakout pass this year. Mm-hmm. And and that is that's just priceless. I really like what I've seen from him, and I'm excited to see him at this tournament. Right now, he's on, on the what I called fourth pair for um, for Sweden at this tournament, so he's not really uh, getting involved much in play. But I think that as the preseason goes on uh, and they head into the actual tournament, he's going to get his opportunities and, and start playing a bit more. Yeah, I think I, I think I I totally agree with that. I think that the fact that uh, it's it's a warm up game, you're not sure about. The, the players that you have obviously you have different players uh, coming in and, and heavily there's a first year coach a lot of pressure obviously in Sweden uh, in regards to uh, uh, to that as well but yeah uh, I, I, I think that he will end up being part of one of the power play units at least and he will get some decent minutes in the World Juniors Hopefully, because he's got the skill level to excel at this tournament. Now, I just wanted to mention one last prospect um, from this World Juniors team, uh, and that would be uh, Philip Beistet. Now, he was drafted in the first round of the 2022 draft. I believe he might have been a bit of a reach in the first round. I, I saw him as just outside of the first round type of prospect, but um, sort of. I just wanted your thoughts on him and, and what you've seen from him you know, going back to his draft year. Yeah, no, I, I like him, and, and he's taking a big step forward, uh, uh, albeit on a, a, a really non-impressive team. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Shepping is struggling. Um, off, I, I shouldn't say off the record because we're obviously on the record, but uh, <laughs> sources close to Lynn Shepping tells me that they are pushing for big forwards uh, or big defenders and, and mm-hmm. um, players that, you know, might be more intimidating, more more playing the North American style hockey. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Beastet has progressed a bit uh, this year. His numbers are up. Uh, his course is up. I, I think that speaks uh, more to it in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's used in in uh, more situation. He's he's driving uh, play to a certain degree. Um, 
he's also, I mean, like if you look at it, and, and obviously this is a 25 games, so you know it's a solid number, but it's it's not it's not the best of numbers. But his PDO is 98, so yeah. so it's not. I mean, like he's not PDOing everything either. Yeah. He's there. Um, I haven't watched him enough. I'll be honest to say that I follow mm-hmm. uh, Rugler more often than not, and and Vecco is a close third. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, partly because it's teams I like and, and I have I I, I care for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Second is more that the um, those are I mean like I grew up across the street from from last training ground, so yeah, they're accessible, time. exactly. Yeah, and then it, it's an hour drive to Rugla, so it's it's fine with that as well. And there you have Autumn Engstrom, so I want to watch him as a Montreal Canadian. But but Beastead is is one of those I wouldn't say sleepers. Mm-hmm. But he's there. He's getting the job done mm-hmm. on a bad team. Yep. Uh, with Carlson and Pedersen, um, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I probably wouldn't have him that high up. But but I rather have Carlson as a center. I think he's a smarter center. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can see it because he, it's it's probably easier for Carlson to play wing than it's for Bisset to play wing. Uh, he's adaptable mm-hmm. more, and mm-hmm. that's why he's a, a a top five draft prospect for his piece that wasn't. Uh, but but yeah, I I, I find him interesting. Uh, he's obviously playing as mm-hmm. man. He's playing well. Uh, if I don't, if if I remember correctly, uh, he's uh, about a point five per game uh, in points, mm-hmm. and, and that's let's hear. Uh, that's that's pretty decent uh, for a, for a second round uh, for a, a second year draft prospect. Now I just want to thank you again for coming on. It's it's been really great to have your insight on both the Habs and Sweden's prospects. Um, now just remind everyone again where they can find you uh, on social media. Um, I'm over at Eyes on the Price and uh, especially and and then I'm on Twitter as well. Feel free to drop me a line. I'll I'll do my best to. Uh, to answer it in, in, in a cordial way. Uh, just to go back to Beastead, he's uh, 11 points in 26 games. Uh, what is that? 0. 0.4? 0. 0. 0. 0.4. Yeah, 0. Yeah. 0.4. Uh, which, is, which is good for, for a D plus one guy. Um, mm-hmm. Don't... don't uh, especially on a bad team. Let's be honest about that. 100%. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much again for, for coming on. And thank you, for, uh, the listeners, for for tuning in and listening to this episode. Now, this has been Locked On NHL Prospects with Hadi Kalakesh. And I hope you tune in next time. Yeah, listen to Hadi because he's <laughs> the smart one of us. Also, happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs>